Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to our guest segment, our second segment. So excited to have back with us our good friend Pastor Carl Gallops. He has a brand new book out which I wonder how this guy produces so many books. There must be more than one Carl Gallops because one man could not produce so many books. The new book is called Gods of the Final Kingdom, Unveiling the Secrets of the Raging Celestial War that Ultimately Results in the Restitution of All Things Brought to Life in the Theater of Your Mind and Soul. And that book, uh, Pastor Carl, I guess is not officially out yet, but will be out soon. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Listen, Jim, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. Second of all, I loved your intro about the gay flags at the embassies. I'm wondering, you know, you said, what about transgender flags? Well, what about with the advent of robot sex? Are they going to have robot sex flags? I mean, when does it end, brother? The madness. Yeah, did you hear about these guys that are organizing a straight pride parade in Boston? Oh, yeah, I love it. I think it's yeah, awesome. And, and, and I, I, everybody, I pray, I pray that everybody is offended by this. Oh, of course. And uh, yeah, apparently the actor Brad Pitt was somehow, they they did some kind of a satire saying like he was recommending it. Now he's got lawyers saying he doesn't want any part of it. Um, <laughs> but they have this, they have this, they have this gay conservative guy, Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah. They just got him to agree to be the grand marshal of yeah. the straight pride parade. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. It, it is incredible. This world is losing its mind. It's losing its mind. The depravity of mind prophesied in Romans 1 is is coming to pass right before our eyes. And we could talk about that. I didn't mean to turn it into that. I was no, just saying, I mean, no, no worries. I mean, it's, it's all about the culture. And, and yeah. you know, you sit, you sit back and, and when somebody has a, a straight pride parade, everybody's like laughing at that. But it's, it really makes the point of how ridiculous – all of this is because yes. I don't want to know what someone's sexuality is if I'm no. just you know interacting with them in public. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know yeah. whether you're gay or straight or by, – by the way, there's a new thing out today. I learned this. It's You remember it was LGBTQ? Yeah. Well, now it's LGBTI. What's I don't know I? what the I stands for. I'm afraid to ask. Yeah, but the, I am it's too. now yeah. I instead of Q. And, it, might and it's be, just... it might be iRobot. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> it, well, it could you know, be. I mean, listen, yeah, listen. I, and I heard you give the disclaimer that you don't hate gay people. And, and because you and I speak so directly to what the Word of God says, to what science says, to what biology says, to what the Center for Disease Control says about this, we speak in the black and white, we speak with facts, then we are castigated. But you said that you have people in your family and extended family and people that are close to you that are gay. I, and I do too. As a matter of fact, I have a very dear family member, very, very dear to me. That's all I'm going to say right now. 
um, who passed away with AIDS because of his homosexual lifestyle. And so I'm not a homosexual hater either. I mean, I've got several people in my family, extended family, my wife's family. You know, it's just a part of the world now. It's a part of the culture. And and I love these people. I fellowship with them when I can. I do not promote their lifestyle. They know that. I do not agree with it. We don't speak of it unless they ask. And if they ask my opinion, I tell them sweetly and biblically. But I love them and I re- treat them with respect. I don't care. I mean, I do care on an eternal basis because I'm a Christian, but I don't peek in their windows at night. I don't want to know how people have sex. I don't want people knowing about my personal life uh, with my wife. I mean, that's, I mean that's, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that we define ourselves on how we well, have it's, sex. Well, it's become a movement because it was at one time, we just want to be treated equally. We don't want anything yes. more than that. And, and now that it's... Sense. Right. And now it's we want to teach your kindergarten child about these alternate lifestyles when we would never even talk about sexuality at all with a kindergarten age child, regardless of what lifestyle. We would never bring that up. And we want to now be in the 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 man wants to be in the woman's bathroom. And it it is it is now not just equality, but we want to force you to approve publicly of what our choice is. And uh, it, it's it's gone beyond the pale. Brother Jim, listen. I said years ago when all of this started, I said just what you said. They're saying we just want to be treated equally. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, get it. I I have never. I have always been a bully hater. I mean, I, I was a cop for years. I mean, if somebody you know uh, bullied somebody because of their sexual preferences or whatever, or or was really nasty and ugly, I, I would lose my mind of that. I cannot stand to see somebody mistreated because of any. Of what what someone else considers irregularity in their life. On the other hand, that doesn't mean that I approve of everything that people are being picked on or bullied for. So I understood the movement of, look, we just wanted to be treated equally and fairly. I get that. I was a champion of that. However, however, please do not think that I'm stupid. And I told people from my preaching and teaching platforms decades ago when all this started becoming in vogue, I actually said this, and my church family can tell you, I've been the pastor of one church for 33 years, so they can tell you they've heard me say this many times. It has always been about the children, Jim, and I don't want to turn this show into something sordid, but it has always been about the children. How I know this? I know the scriptures. I know Satan. I know where his focus is. It's upon the seed, little s, of the big seed, big s, who is Jesus Christ, the seed who would come and crush his head. Jesus did that. Satan is like a petulant child on his way out. Revelation 12 says that he is filled with fury. He knows his time is short. He has gone off to make war with the seed of the seed, and that is the womb and the seed, the child, children, the number one cause of death in the globe is abortion, my friend. His war is against the seed. Of I was the reading a statistic the other day, which even as as much as I follow the topic of abortion, and um, my wife and I, we donated to that, the movie they made about uh, uh, yeah. Gosnell, uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. and we follow, you know, it's been one of my, you know, just central issues that I've followed my whole life. Um, I read, this is from the centers for disease control. So this is not, you know, a made up number. It's something like approaching 50 million uh, abortions that 
have happened in the United States since Roe v. Wade? Oh, yeah. It's more than that now. Yeah. It's, it's getting closer to 60 million now. It, it, and, it, it, I can't, I can't but, even imagine because I, I think to myself, how many doctors, how many people in that group would have had cures for cancer? How many would have written great symphonies? How many would have written great books? How many teachers? How many pastors? How many people that could have changed this world were in that group? And, and so sadly, most of them are minorities as well which I don't understand yes. why yes. the, the yes. African-American community continues to vote uh, for these politicians that are pro-abortion. They've been completely duped. Margaret, Margaret Sanger, who started the whole thing, Planned Parenthood, was a eugenicist and a hater of black people. In fact, she used the N-word rather frequently, spoke of them in all kind of derogatory terms, needing to annihilate them, needing to exterminate them, and that she was going to use, and she didn't use the word manipulate, but when you read her writings, that's what she meant, use the preachers from the black community. And it's so now it's no coincidence that a lot of abortion clinics are set up in the black community of the large inner cities or very near so, and it's no coincidence that disproportionately the number of children that are aborted are from uh, African-American community without in, within the United States. And so this is a horrendous, horrendous uh, uh, travesty, but it is a biblical prophetic thing, and the global statistics are it is the number one cause of death in the world, on, in the planet, and has been for several decades now. And more and more countries are signing on to it. Even Israel has eased up its abortion laws. Canada has zero abortion laws. In other words, there's nothing against it, nothing so for you it. So you, you can do, you can do anything. You that's, yep. that's hard to believe. Pastor yep. Carl, let's talk about uh, your new book, which we may already be okay. talking about it, uh, sort of uh, by getting well, into some of, of these current day topics. But uh, tell me, so I want to understand this, if I get it, this is like book three in a three-part series. So this yeah, is the final, the final of the three books. So kind of set that up for us as far as the the other two books and how it leads into then this book. Yeah, I will. It is, and, and, and it's a trilogy. I call it the Gods series. The first one was Gods and Thrones. The second one was Gods of Ground Zero. This one is the Gods or, or Gods of the Final Kingdom. And, listen, and just to something. interrupt you and let people know that both of those, the other two books we've had you on, those are in our archives for people that listen to us on the download. If you want to go back and get those, those are there for you for free on all of our download platforms. Continue on, sir. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, Jim, and I was just going to say, I'm going to answer your question and talk about this directly because you've been so gracious to have me on. But i got to say, so you introduced me talking about how does this guy write so many books? Yeah, okay, I've got nine books out, praise God. You've got over 30 books out, so hush your mouth, brother. <laughs> Okay, but right. but I haven't I haven't gotten them out in such a short period of time. You like all of a sudden, like started writing books. What like three or four years ago? Uh, yeah, it's and, been about six and, or seven and, years ago. Yeah, and then yeah. it's like every few months, it's like there's another one. My my producer's well, like there's another one coming from Carl Gallup's, and I'm like, are you serious? Are you sure that's not the book we just did? Nope, there's another one coming. So uh, you <laughs> must uh, you must spend a lot of time doing this or, or dictate to. To recording and have somebody polish no. it for you or some system. No. I'm telling you, you're yeah, prolific. No, 
I spent well. I, I mean, that's I give all glory to the Lord for that. I get up early in the morning and write. I write late at night. I'm a pastor, full time pastor of a large church on the Gulf Coast. So, I have huge pastoral responsibilities. Plus, I have my own radio show on an FM AM station. Been doing that 17 years. Plus, I travel the world doing conferences. I just got back from Israel. I preach and teach around the world, and I do TV and radio and media continually. And so, how all of this gets done is just a miracle from God. But uh, a lot of this just comes out of my head and heart and from 35 years of preaching, teaching, researching, writing, um, you know, in the past, as I said, I've pastored one church for and years. And some of your years. sermons are uh, available through your church's website, and some of this comes from your sermons, too, which are so fascinating. I believe, it is it like on Sunday nights that you do more of a expository, in-depth teaching, or is that a Wednesday yeah. night? Well, no, what I do on Sunday nights, we have what we call an Ask the Preacher time. And so we just talk about any and everything people want to talk about. And if people don't have questions, and they usually do, uh, then I just teach. I just get into the nitty-gritty to the guts of the Scripture and bring up stuff. And just, you know, it's a, a didactic form and back and forth and asking questions and let them answer. And then we'll get into it. And so, yeah, I love it. And the people just, they eat it up because they learn the Word that way. But uh, but yeah, back, so you, you were, again, graciously having me on for Gods of the Final Kingdom, and you asked me, you set me up, and I went off on a tangent, but you set me up. Yes, this is uh, the third book of that series, and it's the final in the trilogy, but I want to emphasize to your audience that you do not have to read these in order. I, I, I preach that way, and I write this way. That is, if you come to my church this Sunday, and I'm in a series, and, and I just tell the folks, look, all right, this is the third one in a series, but if you've missed the last two, don't worry. Each one stands on its own. I'll do a little brush-up, so catch you up, and then we'll get right into this message. I do the same thing with my books, because I never know when somebody might come into my life through my books, you know, and they might. So so the first, so there might be somebody tonight listening to this saying, I'm going to get that book, and it'll be the first book of mine they've ever read. Well, I want it to stand completely on its own, and if they like it, then they can go back and read the ones that I wrote before this. So it's not like they have to be read in any order, but I do encourage people, if you like what what you read of this God series, and again, this is three of nine books I've written, but this series, if you like what you read, then get the other two and read those, and by the time you read all three, if if if, this, if my style of writing is for you and my style of research and presentation, if you enjoy that, some people don't, but a lot of people do, if you do enjoy it, then get all three and read them, and you will have you will have a seminary education at a level that you can get it and grasp it and chew it up and share it with others and and live it, and that will completely change the way you read your scriptures. And and what I mean by that, I, I mean I'm doctrinally solid. I back up everything I say with Hebrew word studies, Greek word studies, plenty of commentary, affirmation, uh, he, uh, Hebrew and Greek language experts, um, and and plus I, I liven it up with, that's why this one says, unveiling these secrets in the theater of your mind, because I, I try to write in a, in a way that, well, I've got, had several people that read these books and wrote me back and said, Man, these reading your books is like watching a movie. I can see the pictures in my, I can see it in my mind coming to life. It's I, almost like thought, writing like you're writing a novel, but it's all true. Yeah, and, yeah, but it's exactly. it's still interesting. Now in this book, um I'm looking at some of the bullet points here. Um yeah. it, it the book talks a lot about Satan. Your other books do as well, and I, I like that because a lot of churches don't talk about Satan. We don't talk about that. We we just kinda 
you know, we're, we're all for, you know, talking about the Lord and, and good things, but we don't want to talk about evil. We don't want to talk about Satan. This book really does focus a lot on Satan. And one of the things it well, says here is what Satan did not know about Jesus and God's plan of the ages. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and let me just say with a disclaimer, no, you're absolutely right, because what I want to do is expose him. I do not glorify him. Of course, you know that. You weren't even suggesting that, but somebody might be listening saying, he talks a lot about Satan. What is he, an occultist? (laughs) No, 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 no. No, I do not glorify him. I'm exposing him. I'm showing you how to defeat him. I'm showing you what he's really up to, what he really knows, and what he really doesn't know and where he's headed, and what the Word of God says, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, right through to Revelation 22, and all three of these books, a big part of what I do is expose stuff about Satan, about his kingdom, about his work, that you rarely hear preached from pulpits or even in Bible studies and Sunday school classes, but it's right there in the Scriptures. And the thing that I love doing is startling people by showing them these scriptures, connecting the dots, and then taking them to the scholars, even the classic commentators of 100, 200 years ago that saw all of this stuff and wrote about it, but the Western Christian Church has ignored it. They don't teach this stuff in seminaries. They don't preach people. Therefore, people don't preach it and teach it from the pulpits. They don't. They, Christians go to church all their life. They never hear anything from from their Sunday school. Listen, I had a woman visiting this morning from a mega church. All right, my church is a large church, but it wouldn't be a mega church. But this one was from a big city, five, six, seven, eight thousand people that go there. She's been going there. She's in her sixties. She's been going there since she was a child. She listened to one of my sermons this morning and she said she she came to me tonight she came back tonight she said i have never in all my life heard the truth that you preached this morning never she says but you're right they're right there in the scriptures and when you showed them to us this morning she said i was blown away she said i went home and researched it and you're right and I said, well, thank you. I said, I wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> but, the, but the point is, my books hopefully do the same thing. Yeah, because what we want to do is, I mean, it's, it, it's fine if you have like a ministry of encouragement and you want to, you know, have people be excited about your day, you know, set goals for the future. You know, God wants you to prosper and have good health. I mean, all, all that's good. But, but then we kind of, we have to get into meteor subjects, which, which we start yeah. talking about real life and, yeah. and, and, and being attacked by Satan and people, you know, what was it uh, said that Satan's greatest uh, accomplishment was getting people to believe he didn't exist. And I think that's okay. largely the case in our churches today that you never hear churches talk about uh, Satan. It's just like, yeah, it's in the Bible. There's the bad guy, you know, but we're not really going to bring that up. But uh, tell me about, I'm fascinated yeah. by this first bullet point, sure. what Satan did not know about Jesus and God's plan uh, of the ages, because we, we are always told that, well, Satan already knew all this was going to happen. And he's just sort of playing a part no. in this like uh-uh. stage play. But he's not aware of something. You tell us what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, there's about six or eight astounding things that people think Satan knew that he did not know. And I proved them in my book by showing you the scriptures that say he didn't know them. Plus, I go to the scholars, the ancient scholars, the classical scholars, and the modern scholars who have also seen the same thing. They've written about it, and I quote them as well. So I just want your audience to know as I get ready to teach some of this stuff on your show for a few minutes that I'm not pulling this out of my back pocket. I'm not making it up. If you've never heard this before, never thought about it before, 
It's right there in your Bible. And you're a Baptist minister for 33 years, which you can't be any more conservative theologically than to be a Baptist minister. So this is all right there to be backed up. And your books are great about that, too, which, you know, we have guests on who get into some kind of far out topics. And those are interesting things. And sometimes they're maybe stretching scripture to try to get there. In your case, you're you're right on, and so people should know that, and, and they'll see that in your book. Thank so, you. so you're I'm going to give kind. you I'm going to give you okay. the platform here. Tell us about Satan and okay. what he was not aware of. Okay, well, let me just say this. I, and, and again, there's five or six, seven revelations like this. So let me just pick one that's relatively easy to talk about, and it won't pin the hair back on your people too badly. But I think it'll cause them to think deeply about the whole gospel message. So we discover. We know, we now know on the other side of the gospel message that Jesus is the Word who became flesh, God who put on flesh. The Word in the beginning was, uh, the, the Word was in the beginning, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, so we know that. All right. But when Jesus appears at the Jordan River and John points to him and says, Here's the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world, okay? That, that, that was astounding for Satan. Here's why all the way back in the garden, thousands of years earlier, when God passed judgment on Adam, Eve, and Satan, he looked at Satan and he said, and there's coming the seed of the womb of a woman. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. He will destroy you. Ezekiel chapter 28, he says, you were the guardian cherub that I put in the garden of Eden, but you profaned it and I threw you out. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm just um, uh, paraphrasing this very quickly. He says, and because of that, I will reduce you to ashes and you will be no more. Twice, God tells Satan, I'm going to kill you for what you did in the garden. Now, when God gave that very first prophecy of the coming Messiah, of the seed of the womb of the woman, and by the time you get to Galatians, it says that he is, Jesus is the seed from the womb of the woman that was prophesied. He is the seed. And, of course, we know that. But Satan didn't know. Here's what Satan knew. When God told him that, Satan knew what was going to happen to him and how it was going to happen. But he didn't know when. He didn't know where. He didn't know through whom. And he didn't know the details of how his head was going to be crushed. So from the Garden of Eden through through the entire gospel, through the entire rest of the scriptures, through the gospel message, Satan is looking for the seed. He doesn't know. He doesn't know, my friend. He, that's, but he focuses in on Israel when somehow, because he's not omnipresent, whether he heard it or his demonic horde heard it or, or it gets back to him. But when God says to Abraham, through your seed, I will bless the entire earth, Satan wow. begins to focus that's... in on the Hebrew people. He doesn't, still doesn't know who, doesn't know when, doesn't know how but he knows what it's about. Then he puts them in captivity, and he, and he focuses in on a Pharaoh to do what? To kill all the male children. Now through that, of course, comes Moses, and then, of course, comes Moses the Deliverer and Joshua, bringing them out under the blood of the Passover lamb. All, everyone who's under the blood is going to be saved. He takes them, and then Satan is the gods behind the thrones. He begins to rise up the other nations against the children of Israel. He wants them destroyed. God delivers them. He brings them into the promised land. They get into the promised land, and while they are there, 
the, of, of course, they, the empire builds up, but then Satan begins to affect the thrones of the earth. First, the Assyrians come against uh, the, the, the Israeli kingdom. Uh, they take the northern kingdom into captivity, trying to destroy and disperse the seed. Then the southern kingdom under Babylon falls. The, the temple is destroyed. They're taken into captivity. Who are the focus? Oh, the male children. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and many more like them, the male children. They're trying to, he tries to paganize them. He kills them. He slaughters them. He uses them for him. He puts his uh, philosophies in their minds, except those that stayed pure. That's why we have such this, this focus on Daniel. But what happens? He continually tries to kill them. Then the Persians come in. And then the Persians are going to let the King Cyrus is going to let them rebuild the temple. But before that, Artaxerxes, a man named Haman, comes to Artaxerxes. Satan gets in his heart. He says, "We got to kill all the Jews. We got to kill them all." I mean, continually, it's this history is all about Satan hunting that seed, trying to destroy the people of Israel because that's all the way up his, to modern day Hitler. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I'm going there. And so you keep moving through the scriptures, and then you have wise men showing up at Herod's temple saying, now, now t- get, your, get your scholars in here. Where's this child to be born? They agree it's Bethlehem. The wise men go off to Bethlehem. God enters Herod, uh, excuse me, Satan enters Herod's heart. And what does Herod say? Kill all the male children. I mean, how many times do we have to hear this in the scripture to understand what Satan's up to? But then the Christ child escapes. We know that. Satan didn't know it at the time. See, Satan's not God. He's not everywhere at once, but he puts pieces together. He does not have the Holy Spirit in him. He cannot understand Scripture and prophecy like we can. He doesn't have the advantage of having the New Testament that he can read through it. He didn't have that until after everything was over. So in the meantime, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking, and then this Christ child who had been whisked away, secreted into Egypt, brought secretly back into Nazareth, raised in the humble places of a carpenter shop. He winds up at the Jordan River, and John screams it out into the crowd, Behold, here is the Lamb who takes away the sins of the earth. Boom! Satan focuses in, but he still doesn't know exactly what this dude is and what he's up to. He knows he's the lamb. He knows somehow he's God's answer. He knows somehow this is the seed from the womb who thinks he's here to crush Satan's head because he's Satan so arrogant. He thinks he owns the planet. I mean, it's the fallen creation, but he thinks it's legally his. So what does Jesus do? The Bible calls him the second Adam in the New Testament. Satan didn't know this. Jesus goes right to the wilderness and presents himself to Satan for 40 days of temptation. It's Adam, the second Adam, coming back to a fallen garden. He's going to reverse the curse. Satan comes against him. And what does he say? If you are the Son of God, do this. If you are the Son of God, do that. If you are the Son of God, jump down. If you are the Son of God, then bow down and I'll give you. You want kingdoms? I'll give you the kingdoms. I own the kingdoms. And Jesus rebukes him with scriptures. That's all. And then finally, wow. he, Satan leaves, and he still can't figure out. He knows this is the, quote, Messiah. He's heard him called the, quote, son of God. But if you know anything about Hebrew, and most of your audience will, that term comes from this term, the Hebrew term, B'nai Elohim, the son or the sons of God. Well, that term is also used for angels. It's also used for the divine council around the throne of God. So Satan is trying to figure out, 
I don't he didn't know at first this was God in the flesh who was going to the cross. He he didn't know the cross was even a part of it. Guys, this was God's plan from the beginning. How do I know that? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, if the rulers of this age had only known, they would not have crucified the Son of God. Satan did not know. He thought that the crucifixion was his idea that somehow he was killing this seed who had come to steal his kingdom. Because the Bible also says he entered Judas to betray him, to get him on the cross. See, Satan didn't know. That's why talk Revelation... about a plan, a plan backfiring. He played, played oh right gosh. into God's plan. Oh my Absolutely. God! One of the things I say in this book is Satan, the great hunter, became the hunted, and he didn't even know it. I mean, this wow, plan from God's throne, brother. Listen, the Book of Revelation says it like this: He's Jesus is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? That means before God breathed into Adam's nostrils, He already had all this plan. But it was only the throne of God that knew. Satan didn't know. As a matter of fact, after it's all over, Peter writes. He says, let me tell you something. Now we have the word of God made more certain, and the prophets and the prophecies made more certain. He said, but you've got to understand, prophecy was not written for the sake of the prophets. They were not allowed to interpret their own prophecies. He said they knew that they were writing for future generations, and they longed to know how it was going to happen, but they weren't told. And then it said, even angels longed to look into those things, but they were not told either. Let me tell you something, Jim. When Gabriel came to Mary and said, Mary, if you're willing God's going to implant a seed, an embryo in your womb, and this is going to be the Savior. This is going to be the one that rocks Satan's kingdom, if you're willing. And Mary said, I am willing. Let it be done unto me. Now listen, he said, now, now, I, I, listen, Satan did not know, listen, I, Gabriel didn't know the whole plan. He just knew God trusted him with that one portion. Go tell Mary, I want to borrow her womb if she's willing. I want to borrow her womb. She's a righteous young lady. That's all Gabriel knew. The Bible tells us the angels did not know the whole plan. Only the Father and the Son knew. And that's so all, that's she, fascinating because we today have all of Scripture, and sometimes people will ask, well, if why would Satan – you know, lead Jesus to the cross if he knew that was going to be know. our forgiveness. That's and, he and I've know. never heard anybody, never heard anybody explain it that way. Well, Once again, you 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 really just uh, illuminate things. One of the other well, things I was fascinated by was the phrase "raging celestial war." My grandfather, who was a great spiritual influence on me when I was growing up in Chicago. He had uh, a tremendous theological library. He was a self-taught man, but he had every book that Billy Graham had ever written. And his favorite book of Billy Graham's was the book on angels. Yeah. And he used to he used to talk with me about angels. He he in fact had a, an encounter with angels when uh, my my mother at that time would have been just a young girl, and there was five children, and him and he and my grandmother they were living in this small home in just outside of Chicago. And it was about 3 a.m. And he uh, had this feeling like he needed to get up. And it was the middle of the night and it was a cold night. And he got up, walked through the small house, turned the corner, and he saw two 
he, he described it seven foot tall glowing white beings with their arms outstretched to his gas heater. And he was completely stunned to see this. He immediately, they disappeared. And then he went over there to the gas heater. The pilot light had gone out and gas was pouring into the house. So he was able to resolve that, but no doubt everyone in that house would have died that night. I would have never been born. I, I thought about that years later. I never kind of connected the dots as a child as he shared that story, which he shared that many, many times and never wavered in that. But he always told me, he said, uh, he always told me, and he called me Jimmy. He said, Jimmy, th there is a battle going on. And he would describe the battle between the demons and, and the angels. And this was not a metaphorical thing. An actual physical battle is taking place in the heavens. And you mentioned that in your the title yeah. of your book. And I, I wanted to ask you to uh, just elaborate on that because so many I times will. when we hear about this, it sounds metaphorical. Yeah, but it's, no, it's really not. not metaphorical. It's a real war that's going on. Yeah, it's not metaphorical at all. I do talk about this in detail. Satan did not know all of the details. The only time he figured it out is with the resurrection when he realized, I have been duped. I thought I was the hunter. I have been hunted. And now my head's getting ready to be crushed. And Revelation 12 talks about that and says, Beware, O earth, he has been thrown down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short, and he's gone off to make war with the rest of the seed. We are the seed of the seed, Jim. We are the little S seed, the church of the seed, big S, Jesus. Satan is filled with fury. He hates us. He hates the church. It's a cosmic war. I begin my book. I, too, have had an angelic encounter. It was witnessed. I've got it in the book. My church knows this story. I've told it to them. Now I've given it to the world. It, the book opens with this amazing story about my encounter with an angelic being for a specific purpose that God put in my life. I'm very careful to say I did not ask for the encounter. I have never again asked for one. I do not worship angels. I do not look, look for angelic encounters. But it did happen to me. I begin the book because this is a celestial war. It is interdimensional. It is physical. It is real. I quote science. I deal with quantum mechanics. I talk about what science knows about inter interdimensional reality. That's what the whole CERN-Hadron Collider is about. Uh, China is now building one. They literally say on their websites that they're trying to, they know that multiple dimensions of reality exist. They're trying to find the portals. They want to enter into these other dimensions. They want to, quote, see what comes out. That's on their own websites, these huge physicists, scientific websites, they talk about the reality of multiple dimensions of realities and the portals getting to them. By the way, so does the Bible. And I show the reader multiple dimensions of reality with portals and time travel are spoken of in the Bible. This is not metaphorical. I'm not making it up. It's not science fiction. I'm not stretching anything. Even the classical scholars from 200 years ago saw it, they understood it, they wrote about it, they didn't know how to say portal or or time travel necessarily, they didn't know how to speak of other dimensions, but they used the words of their day to describe it perfectly 
but it's never taught in seminaries. It doesn't fit in America. We want to hear the fluffy, gushy, sweet, shiny, um, soft stuff about how, you know, we can have our best life now and we can be, you know, rich and happy and fat and, you know, and, and, and God just loves us any old way we are. doesn't matter how we live. You know, the Lord loves. That's what we want to hear. But the scriptures tell us that this is for real. This is deadly. It is dark. It is deep. It is, it, is, it, is there, it is a celestial war. It is raging. It started in the Garden of Eden. It will culminate at the restitution of all things. Revelation 22 says the Garden of Eden will be restored in the new Jerusalem. The river of life is there. The tree of life is there. The throne of God, the throne of the Lamb. That's how the Bible ends. Everything between Genesis 3 and Revelation 22 is about the raging celestial war, the restitution of all things, Satan looking for the seed. When he finally finds it, he thinks he's going to put it on a cross and kill it. Then he discovers at the resurrection he has become the hunted rather than the hunter. He's been duped. He is enraged. He knows his time is short. He's out to destroy the church. He's out to destroy Israel. He's out to destroy men and women of God, and he's out to destroy our church children, brother. And the statistics from the CDC and from World Health Organizations scream that Satan is doing exactly what the Bible said he would do, and most churches don't even get it, and most preachers never preach it. Pastor Carl, we're out of time, but I, I want to ask you in closing, by the way, since this book isn't officially out yet, we weren't able to get a copy of it. Can you please make yes. sure they send us a copy? Uh, I'd like to even uh, do like a, maybe a written review on it, maybe have you back on the show again. Do you love this? We have no commercials. I do love it. And listen, <laughs> every, every time you're with us. Every, uh, yeah, I'd love a, a, a copy for the library here. And, and I'll tell you, uh, every time you're on with us before, just as you got going, I'd have to say, oh, and there it's time for the commercial again. Uh, but we're, no, we're now commercial free, which, which I love, which gives our guests this, this platform. Now, if people want to get the book, I see it's on Amazon, but, I, but yeah, you, have you, a, you have a website, too, people can go to, and the church yeah. website. Tell us all about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CarlGallops.com, my name.com. And you can read inside the book. You can read 35, 40 pages. You can see the entire table of contents. You can get an idea for the writing style. You can get an idea of where the book is going. And you can read 30 or 40 pages of the book. And so please go there, CarlGallops.com. Click on the banner. You can't miss it. It's right as soon as the page opens. Go in, read it, look at the stuff, look at the bullet points, look at the video that's made about it, and then order it, pre-order it, and you'll get it delivered early if you get it on Amazon. But this book is going to be available wherever good books are sold. It's published by a real publisher. It's out there on the market. It'll be everywhere. And July 1st is the release date. I'm going to tell you, June 1st was the release date set by the publisher. And it, the publishing demand has been so great already from people who have pre-read it and large ministries that have ordered it. They had to delay it by a month. And so that's what's happened, and I'm so sorry. Otherwise, we would already have the books to you. It was supposed to be out. Oh no, that's June 1st. that's that's fine. I I understand. Have you been on Coast to Coast AM with some of Many your books? Times. Yeah. Okay. With George yeah. George and Richard Serrett. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah, because I'm sure they would love to talk to you about, especially the time travel and the portals and that oh, sort yeah. of area they love to get into as well. Oh, I know. Pastor Carl, thank you so much for being with us, sir. It's my pleasure. And listen, I'm so glad you and George Norrie are going to be in conference. Tell him I said hello. And yeah, tell him about the I'll book. I'll do it. <laughs> but I'll yeah, be giving I'll you guys it. copies of it. Very good, sir. God bless. Thank you so God much. Bless. Thank you.
And thank you so much for joining us again, folks. If it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next week.